Well, good morning. So good to see everyone. Happy New Year. Is it too late to say that? We are a couple weeks in, but I haven't seen uh, a lot of you in a while. Uh, my wife and I have been on vacation for the past couple weeks, but hope that you had a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Isn't it sad that Christmas is over? It's so sad. But uh, here we are, New Year, 2000. And uh, 15, for those who don't know me, my name is Eric. I'm the pastor of Junior High Ministries. Pastor John, along with some others, are away at a leadership retreat. So I have the privilege and the honor to share God's word with you this morning. And here's what I want to do as we look forward into this upcoming year. I want to start by looking back and ask you a very important question that should set the tone for this upcoming year. And if you look in your bulletin, you'll see an outline there. And I have a layout with some options, and I want you to mark down the answer to this question. Just be completely honest. This is between you and God. No one peek at someone else's bulletin, okay? But this is what I want to ask. What kind of year did you have last year spiritually? What kind of year did you have in 2014 spiritually? Think about last year and think about your relationship with God. How close did you feel to him? And I gave you a few options, and I want you to be completely honest and answer one of these. Maybe some of you were spiritually apathetic. Okay, maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you uh, do, but um, you just didn't really make him a priority in your life last year. You had good intentions, but you got sidetracked. Life just started happening. Maybe you had a really tough year, but it was just apathetic. Maybe you were spiritually inconsistent. There were times that you were seeking him and times that you were in his word and he would lead you in different ways and you were trying to do the right thing. And then there were other times where God wasn't a priority in your life. And it was kind of this up and down roller coaster where you felt close to God one day and then another day he felt like he was a million miles away. It was inconsistent. Then there were those of you who marked down spiritually consumed. You were consumed with the things of God. For you, the word of God was a daily priority. You were in it. You had an active prayer life. You were putting God first in, in your day, and he would lead you. And, and you weren't perfect by any means, because none of us are. But when you did mess up and you sinned, you would repent quickly. You were on a mission by God and for God, and he just consumed you all the time. You were consumed by God. If that was you, go ahead and mark that down. Where were you in 2014 spiritually? And if you happen to mark down one of the first two, I want you to take heart in the fact that you're not alone. In fact, I'm sure many of us in here would mark down that our spiritual life was apathetic or inconsistent. In fact, one of the great heroes of our faith, the Apostle Paul, who wrote over half of the New Testament, he sometimes felt the same way. Listen to this verse in Romans 7.15. He says, I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. Now, you can look at this verse, and it can either make you feel one of two ways. Number one, it can make you feel really depressed, okay? Man, the Apostle Paul messed up, and he was battling with sin, and he was doing the things that he hated. If he struggled, what kind of chance do I have, okay? 
or you can take the latter approach and it can actually be very encouraging and give you hope. All right, the Apostle Paul, he messed up, all right? He was struggling with these sins. He was doing this. It gives me hope that I'm not alone. And what I want to do this morning is I want to give you hope for this upcoming year. I truly believe that 2015 can be a great year for you spiritually. A year where you grow closer with God than you have been in a long time. A year where your spiritual maturity increases dramatically. And for some of you, it might even be a life-changing year. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect by any means. I'm not saying that you're going to uh, have a great year and won't have any problems and you're going to make a lot of money or nothing's going to go wrong. But I am saying if you follow these few practical little steps that I'm going to share with you this morning, I believe that you can be closer to God than you ever have. And this is what is going to happen. It's going to be this morning more of a challenge for you, more of a challenge than anything else. And it's one that God really laid on my heart and I really believe it'll help. You can call it a spiritual goal. Okay, not a resolution, but a spiritual goal. As you all know, this is a time of the year where many people like to make resolutions. And there's something about the new year that brings hope and optimism. And I'm not exactly sure why that is. I guess it's almost kind of like this psychological thing. You know, the week before Thanksgiving, we don't say, hey, now's a time to start a diet. Okay, we don't do that. We wait until the new year, and we say, oh, now we're going to improve. Now we're going to try to be better and have a great year. But we have the tendency to make resolutions at the beginning of the year. And the truth is, is that most of us don't keep these resolutions. I'm sure many of you know that. In fact, they say that by Valentine's Day, that 75% of those who make resolutions are no longer going after those resolutions. Okay, so I don't know if you made one this year. I mean, but if you did, 75% of you will not keep that resolution. And today, if there are goals in your life that you want to achieve, and today we're specifically talking about growing in our relationship and in our walk with God, I believe that there are two simple steps that can really help. Number one is this, it's on your outline, take baby steps. Okay, one of the biggest mistakes that people make this time of the year is that they set their goals too high and make unrealistic expectations. We like to think big and we believe that we're going to conquer the world. This is why everyone is in the gym in January. And then by like March, no one's in there. Okay. It's because we have these goals. And trust me, I know this from experience. Uh, two years ago, I was standing here at this very spot and I made a resolution to all, to the entire church, I shared with you what it was, that I was going to run 1,000 miles, okay? And I thought, man, I feel pumped. I'm excited. I can do this. And especially if I share it with the church, I'm going to keep this resolution. And I think it was about mile 18, okay? Um, <laughs> I just got a little behind. I missed a day, and then I missed another day. And I'm like, oh, and then I started adding up. And I think by like March, I had stopped running altogether, okay? <laughs> and one thing I did find out is the church, you're very good at keeping me accountable because we were like six months in and people were asking me, how's your running going? I'm like, what running? Like I didn't even really remember what the resolution was. But see, I got so overwhelmed. And when I missed, I got so discouraged and I 
ultimately ended up giving up. And the reason goals fail is because they can become very overwhelming. We get easily discouraged and give up way too soon. So when I look at the lives of others, and I don't know if you've ever done this, you look at someone who seems to have it together in a certain area in their life. And I, what, whatever it is, you kind of compare yourself to them, and it kind of intimidates me. I know I do this, and I think, what big steps did they take in their life to get to where they are? And a few examples, uh, my old youth pastor, um, he's just one of the most spiritual guys I know. He just always seems like he's on fire for God. He's close to God. Um, he's always sharing God's word with others. And I just thought, man, like, I want that, you know? And I asked him one day, I said, what's your secret to growing close with God? What's your secret to just being so passionate all the time? He goes, well, you know, obviously he wasn't perfect or whatever, but he said, about 10 years ago, I made this commitment that I was going to read through the entire Bible once a year. And I've been doing that for 10 years now. And I just thought, no wonder you're close with God. You've read through the entire Bible 10 times now. Of course, that's going to make you close with God. And I was like, that's such a big task. And he goes, you know what? Not really. He goes, do you, he said, do you have 15 minutes of your day to read the Bible? He said, if you read 15 minutes of the Bible a day, you're going to read through the Bible in one year. And that really encouraged me. Like, it's these little, little baby steps that you take to achieve your goal. Another example uh, is a physical example. I always set goals to try to get in shape, and I never get around to doing that, okay? I just always have these. Like, I have every workout DVD that for the past five years that's been sold on television and just saying, I am going to do this. And then I never end up doing it. And this sounds really bad, but one person I always kind of compared myself to that made me feel better about myself is my brother. I have an older brother, and um, he's just a very disciplined guy. I mean, he's a doctor, and like, he learned to play the cello two years ago just for the fun of it. And I just thought, man, this guy, like, what's wrong with you, you know? But I had always been a more in shape than he was, okay? He had always been a little pudgier, a little, you know? And I was like, okay, well, all right, so I don't feel too bad. Well, I saw him a couple of weeks ago in Texas at Christmas, and here he comes, like with all these muscles, very skinny and like totally in shape. And I'm just saying, oh my goodness, like, what did you do? What's the big thing that you did to achieve this? Like, were you on steroids? You know, what, what happened here? Okay. He goes, no, all I did was for the, you know, past six months, I've worked out 20 minutes a day. I'm like, really? That's it? 20 minutes a day? He's like, yeah, that's all I do. And I just thought, see, it's the little steps that achieve the big goals. It's the baby steps. And I thought, man, maybe someday I'll actually get around to getting in shape, <laughs> just 20 minutes a day. John Wooden, he was a legendary college basketball coach with UCLA. He said this, it's the little things that are vital. Little things make big things happen. For those of you that don't know, I have a son who's a year and a half now, and it's been so cool just to see him grow and go from trying to roll over to trying to crawl to trying to walk. And now he's running all over the place. But I remember when he was trying to walk, and we were just always every day trying to help him and just holding his hands, and he would fall over, and we'd pick him back up, and he'd fall down. And it was just so amazing to see uh, just the transformation and how he improved each and every day, he would take these little 
little steps and just keep trying and trying and trying. And finally, obviously, he conquered that goal and can just run everywhere now. But it's these little baby steps. And I want to encourage you, if you want to grow closer to God this year, if you want to achieve any goal at all, you got to take small steps to get there. This is the first thing. And the key to all of this, and this is point number two on your bulletin, not only do you have to take little steps, but you have to put God first. We need to put him first in every area of our lives if we want to grow spiritually. I honestly believe that this is where we struggle in our walk with the Lord. And if we are honest with ourselves, as much as we say we love God and call ourselves Christians and have good intentions, the truth of the matter is, a lot of times we do not make God the number one priority in every area of our life. Here's what scripture says in Matthew 6, Jesus said this, he says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. We have to put God first. God cannot not be first if we say that we are followers of Christ. And what I want you to do is if you follow these practical steps in putting him first in your life, it's going to be amazing. And they're very simple, but at the same time, some of these might be tough to hear. I know they were for me. First one is this, the first of the day, seek God. Every morning when you wake up, I want to encourage you to spend time seeking God. And I want to be clear, I'm not trying to be legalistic or ritualistic. If you wake up and um, the only way you can function is by having coffee in your system, okay, by all means, go get coffee. Or if you have to take a shower first, whatever, you know, do what you have to do. But before anything significant happens in your day, that you spend time with your God. We get this idea in Psalm 63, verse 1. It says this, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. You see, time matters. Priorities matter. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And when you look at the four gospels of the life of Jesus, we, we see all kinds of repeated behaviors in his life. Performing miracles. Jesus did it all the time. Preaching hope. Jesus did that all the time. Healing the sick. And there's one behavior that we often miss when talking about his life. Here's what Jesus did. He repeatedly got away and got alone with the Father. And it's not that he just got away. It was when he got away. Listen to this in Mark 1.35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, we're talking like 5 a.m., like 6 a.m., okay? Very early in the morning, before anyone was away, the Son of God needed to connect with the Father. And I want you to think about this. If Jesus, the Son of God, needed to connect with God in the morning, how much more do you and I? How much more do we need to do that? It's not that you can't pray on your lunch break. It's not that you can't read scripture before bed, but there is something special about God getting the first of your day that sets the tone for the rest of the day. It matters 
and it will change you. A couple practical examples. Uh, I was asking some people how their devotion was in the morning with God. One guy I know says before he even, you know, hit the floor, his feet hit the floor, he would open his Bible and he would just sit there and pray and read God's word for like 10 minutes. Okay. And that's what he would do. Another one. And <laughs> I shared this first service and I thought of might as well because I thought it was funny. Uh, it's a little awkward. Okay. But I asked the guy, I won't mention his name. When do you spend your time, um, you know, talking to God? He said, well, I go into the restroom to do my business. And while I'm there, I read my Bible. I'm sorry. It's gross. I know. Okay. Um, I just thought that was so weird. Okay. Um, I don't know when you should do that. I wouldn't recommend that. But what I would recommend, finding some time, some place in the morning in your house, go to work, go to another room in the house, whatever you have to do, make a plan to spend time with God. There's an old saying that if you fail to plan, you will plan to fail. And I want to encourage you before anything happens in your day, seek God. And I must admit, this is a really tough one for me because I am not a morning person. I don't like mornings at all. And I have to get up now early because I have a son who wakes me up, but I'm like a zombie until about 10 a.m., okay? But what I am learning is that if I just spend some time seeking him in the morning, it's going to help the rest of my day, okay? Second thing is this. The first of the week is that we need to worship. And what I mean by that is we need to make corporate worship of God in the church a priority. Acts 20 verse 7 says this, on the first day of the week, they came together to break bread. And this wasn't just like a potluck fellowship, okay? They shared food, they read the word, they prayed, and they joined to seek God to hear his word and to build each other up. A recent study I just found, it's kind of an alarming study. It says this, that 48% of Americans who are regular churchgoers go to church once a month. 48% of people who say, yeah, I'm a regular attender at a church, go to church once a month. And you look at the book of Acts at the beginning of the church, and you see something a little different. The Bible says the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, to the fellowship, to prayer. They devoted themselves. It goes on to say that they met every day. Not once a month, but every day they met in the temple courts. And every day, as a result, the Lord had added to the number daily of those being saved. Why is it so different now? Why did it go from meeting once a day to now whenever we can get around to it? And I, I don't believe it's because they were holier than we are. I believe it's because they were more honest about how desperately we need each other as a church body. And to be honest, church is not a huge priority today in America for so many. There's so many reasons why we miss. One, we're tired. We just don't feel like going, right? That's a common one. Number two, football is on, okay? Um, and that's actually a reason why people stay home. And I am as big a, a football fan as anyone. The Cowboys are playing the biggest game in like 20 years right now. Okay, and here we are. And that's what DVR is for, okay? That's why you record it. 
And nobody should tell me what the score is, please. Just don't tell me, okay? I'm going to try to hold off, okay? But we miss church because of football or maybe yard work or maybe our kids are playing sports. Whatever the reason is that we get into this habit of coming to church once a month, twice a month, and it's not a huge priority. Truth is we need to get better at needing each other. I remember growing up as a pastor's kid, I never had a choice. My dad would always drag us to church no matter when it was. Growing up at Christmas, I don't know why, we had these midnight Christmas Eve services, and my dad would make us go to these. And of course, he was a pastor, so he had to go. But midnight, I mean, what kid wants to go to church at Christmas Eve at midnight, okay? And then we'd be on vacation somewhere, like at Disney World, and Sundays, it doesn't matter where we were, my dad would find a local church that we had to go worship in the morning. And we just were so upset because we wanted to be at Disney World. But church was a huge priority. And I remember always asking, he's like, Dad, do we really have to go to church? And he always gave me this answer that I hated. He goes, no, you get to go to church. And I'm like, oh, Dad. And, you know, I'd get so upset at him. Like, you know, I did not want to do that. Hebrews 10.25 says this, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. First of the day, we need to seek God. First of the week, we need to worship him by going to church. First of the month, this isn't a popular subject to talk about, but it's one that's so important is we need to tithe. We need to tithe to God. Leviticus 27.30 says this, a tithe, which is a Hebrew word meaning a tenth, of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. Listen to this. This is so important. It is holy to the Lord. Not only does it belong to the Lord, but it is holy to the Lord. A tithe, the first tenth, not just of income, but the first tenth of everything that you have belongs to God. Remember, when we put him first, the rest of our lives are filled with order. Not only does a tithe belong to God, but it is holy to God. I have a student in the junior high ministry who uh, I taught on tithing a while back, and um, she babysits to make some money. And one day I was just talking with her how her week was going, and she said she babysat a lot. And I was just curious to know what kind of the going rate was and what you know, how much you make for babysitting. And, and she said, well, this past week I got $54. And I just thought, wow, okay, that's, that's pretty good. And I just thought that was kind of a random number, 54. And I was like, what do you mean you got $54? Um, and she goes, well, technically, you know, I made 60, but a tenth of that belongs to God. So, and she just had this attitude that I don't even touch that 10%. That is God's. That is holy money right there. That belongs to him. And I just thought how amazing that, that is at such a young age, a junior high student who works hard to, to make some money says, you know what? A tenth of that belongs to God. And I know for some of you in here, that's a stretch. A lot of people say you have no idea that I would have to totally rearrange my life in order to do this. I would have to budget. I would have to make significant changes in my life to do this. And my answer is yes, you would. Exactly. That's kind of the point, to put your faith in God that he is going to provide for you. 
you would have to consistently put God in the place of priority to say, God, I put you first. If you've been in the church a while, you may or may not know this, that December is a month that usually has the most giving, and which is great for all those who give. You know, that's just wonderful. You're giving to the church, but December is always the highest month. And I always thought that was kind of interesting is because people would see how much they made for the year and they would be generous and give to the church. And I was just thinking, how amazing would that be if January, before we even knew what this upcoming year was going to look like, that was one of the highest months of giving? How awesome would that be if February was a high month? Um, I just read a book recently on the life of Truett Cathy. Uh, he is the founder of Chick-fil-A. And if you don't know anything about Chick-fil-A, it's the best restaurant in the history of restaurants, okay? Um, it's what they're going to serve in heaven when we get there, okay? It's holy chicken. That's what it is, okay? If you've never tried it, go up to Fresno. It's amazing. But, but not only did he make good chicken, but Truett Cathy, he led this amazing life. He just uh, passed away this past year. Along, this is what I read. Along, um, him and his family have impacted so many lives. And here's what they did. And keep in mind, I just read this week that this company is worth about $4.5 billion right now. And the Cathy's as a family look at what the projected revenue of the company will be for the next year. And before they make a dime, they tithe 10% on the projected revenue before they make any money at all. Okay. And we're talking just who knows how much money. But this is just the faith they had that said, before we make anything, we're giving a tenth of that to God. Now, I'm not saying you, you could do that or you should do that. Uh, but what I am saying is that when we have the heart to say that, God, you are first before you ever even bless me, God, I will worship you. What do you think that does to the heart of God? I think it inclines his heart to yours. God, we worship you and call you our provider and we put you first in our day and in our week. And whenever you bless us the first of the month, we are going to tithe. And the fourth and final thing that you can do, and this is a big one, and this one might scare you away. We see this in the Bible, though, it's, uh, many times as an example, is that we offer a fast. The first of the year, we offer a fast. I truly believe at the first of the year, if we sacrifice something in our lives to God and make him a priority in that area for a specific length of time, you will grow closer to God than you ever have been before. Sometimes we hear this word fast and it's a word that frightens us. It means, what does that mean? That I go without food, that I go without something. And, um, but it's something that frightens us. And I don't want you to tune me out because here's what fasting is. Fasting is sacrificing. It's denying physical things in order to press into God's presence. And people fast for all different kinds of reasons. Some fast because they have someone that they're praying for healing who's sick. Some fast because they have to make a big decision in their life and they're, they're just giving up food for that. People fast for all different kinds of reasons. Others fast just because they want to feel close to God. And for whatever reason, we offer a fast to God, to God. And all throughout scripture, you see examples of fasting. Three times you even see fasting for 40 days. 
Moses receiving the Ten Commandments fasted for 40 days. Elijah on the mountain encountering the Lord. And Jesus himself in the desert being tempted, fasted for 40 days. And I have to be honest, there's a few times in my life where I said, I'm going to fast something and give it up for, to God. I remember a couple of times, uh, just for a weekend before Easter, our church did this, and I would not eat for the, for the weekend and just did that. One time I gave up television for a month. I just said, you know what? I'm just so addicted to television right now. I'm just going to completely take that out of my life for a month and give that time to God. And the few times that I, I've done this have been so rewarding, and I have had the special encounter with God that I've never had before. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but I want to encourage you, the first of the year, 2015, if there's something in your life that you can just say, hey, for a specific length of time, maybe it's television, maybe it's social media. You say, you know what, I'm done with Facebook for a while. Maybe it is fasting food for a day or for a couple of days. But something that you just give up to God in order to draw close to him. Paul in Galatians chapter 5 says this, and this verse has nothing to do with fasting, yet I believe it explains fasting better than any passage in the Bible. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the, and the Spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So why do we fast? What does it mean? Uh, we are going, it means we are going to deny our fleshly appetite what it wants for the sole purpose of feeding what the Holy Spirit wants. The Bible says that we are called to live spirit-led lives. And how on earth are we going to be spirit-led if our flesh gets whatever it wants, whenever it wants? And I don't want you to miss this, okay? As we come to a close, whatever you feed, will grow. And whatever grows will become dominant. If you feed your flesh whatever it wants, you will be led your entire life by your flesh. But if we deny the flesh and we feed the Spirit, what does the Spirit long for? Intimacy with God, His Holy Word, worship, a life of obedience. That is why we fast, so that we will be people that not only profess a faith in God, but we live a life propelled by Him a life led by the Spirit. And my challenge for you is to consider this to start off your year. Is there anything your flesh desires daily that you can say, God, I put you first and I'm going to give this up? I want to close by making a clarification. Number one is this, is that I've been talking about this whole idea of putting God first. We don't put God first. You see, God already is first. God always has and always will be first. Before this world came into existence, God was there. Before he created us to have a relationship with him, God was there. He's always been first. Before we even had the, the chance to, to sin, God was already scheming this plan of redemption. God is first. And what we have to do as Christians is we have to align our lives up with his will and make him the highest priority of our lives. If you want what you had in 2014, if you thought you were spiritually apathetic or spiritually inconsistent, if you want that, if you want what you had, 
then do what you did. Don't change a thing. But if you want another year of apathy or inconsistency, do what you did. But if you want something that you have never had or you have never experienced, you have to do what you've never done. None of us are going to be perfect, but we can sincerely seek God first. And when we do that, like the Bible says, all these things will be added to you. And next year, when people ask, hey, what was your life like spiritually in 2015? You can look back and say, it was amazing. Let me tell you about it. You know why? Because I sought God in the morning each and every day. I committed my life to go to church each and every week. I gave to him and I just saw the blessings he gave back to me every month. And then I just sacrificed and gave up something for God at the beginning of the year. I believe your answer will be a lot different if you choose to follow these very simple but very challenging, challenging things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being first. And we thank you so much for all your many blessings and for your grace. And Lord, as simple as this sounds, Lord, I just pray that we live a life that honors you and puts you at first priority. I pray that we live a life that seeks you, that comes together as a church body and just worships you, that gives to you and sacrifices for you. I pray that we do these things to draw closer to you. Lord, we thank you for your grace and for your mercies that are new every morning. We thank you so much that religion or, or Christianity is not about what we do, but it's about what you did. But at the same time, God, if we want a relationship with you, we have to be willing to take the steps to get there. Take these little, little baby steps. We love you, Lord, and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming today. I just want to encourage you to uh, really think about these steps and make God the first priority of every aspect of your life. Have a great day. You're dismissed.